0: Hey, I'm Tim C. Hey, I'm Landon Blank. And you're listening to Hacking Concrete. Yeah! I usually like to start with something funny, but I'm, I'm mad today. Yeah, Landon brought me lunch from... Uh, do we name names?
1: We name names here. Right? Chick-fil-A.
0: We, yeah, Landon brought me lunch from Chick-fil-A. So I'm sitting here enjoying this tepid tea as we uh, do this because they, they didn't put any ice in it. Zero ice. None. Nope.
1: But... You have a little, what is your understanding behind this? Like, why would they have done that?
0: Well, it's a pet peeve of mine. I, com- I know you know that I complain about it all the time. <laughs> and my problem is that it, it's the light ice people. The, the light eight, ice people. The light ice people. If you are ever in line at a fast food restaurant, you'll notice a certain number of people. They they do their order. I'll have a number eight. They actually say First of all, they say, let me get a number eight. I hate that. Let me get a number eight. (laughs) And then they say, and I would like a large Coke with light ice. With light ice? Light ice, yes. Because they don't care about the quality or the experience. They just want quantity.
1: Right. They want four more ounces of Coke. They do. So what that has done is created an epidemic across the country.
0: It has. So now the light ice people are causing... The, the the workers to load every drink with light ice because they're tired of people complaining. <laughs> so people like us that prefer ice. I want a good experience. I want to enjoy an, an ice cold, refreshing beverage right now. And instead, I'm enjoying, well, I'm not enjoying, I'm consuming a tepid sweet tea.
1: Tepid <laughs> <laughs> sweet tea. So a, a little bit of the public just sent an epidemic across the country. It is. Yep. And now we have to deal with it. Light ice. You know, it could be this. It could be that yesterday, where we are, it was 30 degrees, 20 mile an hour winds. So maybe your boy behind the counter just said, you know what? I'm going to do him a favor. (laughs) Yeah. No ice. No way he wants ice on this day.
0: Maybe. Perhaps that could be the case. But I know that not to be the case because it happens in the summertime, too. (laughs) You know, because half a gallon of drink is not enough. That's right. If you put four ounces of ice in there... Man, sixty ounces.
1: What well, waters the sugar down?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It waters the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already have to get half and half tea because they've overdone it with the sugar. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> i Have to get half sweet, half unsweet tea. Anyways, it's not very funny because I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I don't think it's funny. It's funny because most
1: people don't even realize it's an epidemic. It's happening across this country, and we're exposing it right now on this podcast.
0: That's true. Yep. It's a revolution. Yeah. It is groundbreaking. (laughs) You can't even hear me drinking it. I guess that's a benefit. You don't hear it. The ice shaking around the cup. (laughs) (laughs) So today, what's the topic? Today, the topic is dealing with disgruntled customers.
1: Which, Which uh, exactly. Actually, that
0: goes well with this intro, because I'm a disgruntled customer. You are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we complain about disgruntled customers, and here you are, complaining. But this is so obvious. I see.
0: You're right. It's an experience. Going out to eat is an experience. If I wanted quantity, I would buy a two-liter for 50 cents. That's right. <laughs> it's just so stupid. You can go to Walmart and get a two-liter for 50 cents and drink it with no ice all day long. You got a point. <laughs> Anyways. So dealing with with disgruntled customers. I was reading the newspaper and I sent you this article. It's pretty I think it's hysterical, but I would scary it's scary. I would hate to be in these people's shoes, but it's it's funny. It's only funny because like we we joke about how we mess up all the time, but <laughs> at least we haven't made the paper yet.
1: <laughs> at least we haven't made the news.
0: <laughs> hey, I read about you in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, like three people talked bad about you in the newspaper today. Uh, yeah, right. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> poor the poor company. I feel bad for the company. I, we probably know them. I mean, I hope you know. I feel I feel for them. I know how this could happen. This could happen to us.
1: Well, the problem is, and you'll get into the article as well, but there is no defending at this point. I mean, the statements you are about to read are just like a hammer blow.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Do you me to read it real quick? Yeah. All right, so it's a news article. In other news, the school board approved $28,000 to pay for a new cafeteria floor at this high school. I'm paraphrasing. The, uh, it was a $28 million renovation that wrapped up last year, and the schools had problems with the cafeteria floor, so they are now going to spend $28,000 more. A polished concrete floor is installed in the cafeteria and the science labs, and I'm going to skip a bunch of names here. They haven't hired anyone yet to fix it, but that they, they are looking to hire someone. The district has brought in consultants to investigate the cause of the problems of the floors, um, which include splotches, inconsistencies, and water damage. But their opinions have been mixed, so they don't have a good cause yet. They're going to blame the they're blaming the concrete company, but they don't have a good cause yet. So I have three quotes here that I'll read first. Um, this guy Don. I think he was on the school board. He described the installation as subpar workmanship. Don said he was frustrated that the contractor and the architect did not step up and own the problem. (laughs) And that right there is a statement that's just, well, okay,
1: the problem? What was the problem? Because you just described blotches and and everything else going on that could not even pertain to the contractor.
0: Yeah. Another quote is that he said, I think that these two contractors have a sense of entitlement. If I had my wow. way if I had my way they wouldn't work in this county again, but I don't that's the hammer blow I'm saying right there and then another guy speaks up and says, "I'll let go of those sentiments we've talked about this and if there was a way to blackball in the county procurement process, I'd like to see that happen so we don't know who they're talking about whether it's the GC or the whether it's the GC or the polishing contractor but nevertheless it will nevertheless be, they married them together yeah they did and i it's 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 so frustrating that they just were like, the first line was just like, he's blaming the contractor, like the guy that did it, like it's the guy that did its fault. Right. So right off the bat, they've messed up. Somebody messes up by not communicating to the GC or the owner that the guy polishing the floor really, you know, he only can work with what he has. Right. And you know, we do a lot of this.
1: So when we show up on site, oh man, again, I'll say this for the hundredth time. We do not install a floor that was created in a factory and we put on top of concrete. We create floors on site, right? And so immediately he says splotches, inconsistencies, water damage. And then he goes right to the contractor.
0: And how many times have we walked in the room on the floor that we're polishing and the guys are, um, they got that machine out and they're cutting pipe and welding and that grease is dripping all off the machine and, you know, they're making, putting the sprinklers in, right. and there's stuff everywhere on the floor, right. on the concrete floor that we're supposed to polish. How many times does that happen? Right. And yeah. what happens when they clean that up and we grind over that? It's there. Splotches. Splotches.
1: Right. And I and I'll do see what he's saying. I mean, the contractor should have control over that situation.
0: But the polished guy is getting called out in the newspaper over it.
1: Right. And this type of stuff just scares us
0: to death, because there's so many things that can go wrong. This is another news. The board approved $28,000 to pay for a new cafeteria. Uh, The replacement floor will be installed this summer, and the district expects to recoup the costs of the replacement from the contractor. So what's that contractor going to do? Well, well, I guess he's going to have to pay for it because it looks like the school board is going to hire a polishing person directly, and they're going to pay the polishing person. And then in the article, it says that they expect, and I think it even implied they would sue them if they had to.
1: Right, so they're gonna they're gonna get the money back out of the GC, and the GC is gonna go back to the polisher.
0: Yes, correct. And
1: try to get that money out.
0: Okay, so I'm not sure about the name of this law. I talked to a lawyer friend of mine. I always talk to him about it all the time, and I've tried to cover this in our contract so that we can avoid this kind of situation. But basically, in Virginia, and I think it's you can do this anywhere. The gist of it is, is that when you do have a contract for someone to do a project, if you mess the project up. And, and you, in, in the law, the uh, court decides that it's your fault, 100% your fault. Not only are you liable to give the money back, but you also had to pay the difference between what it costs to fix it and what your contract was. So, let's say this guy did this job for twenty thousand dollars. If they pay somebody new to fix it for twenty eight, my understanding is that the contractor's got to give back the twenty from his original contract if he's found to be at fault. Plus pay the eight, the difference between the two, to, to fix the floor to the way it was supposed to be in the first place. So not only are these guys liable for what they got paid, but they're liable for the difference between what they got paid and what it's going to cost to fix it. Which in this case, it probably is not that much money, but it could be a lot on a big job. It could be a huge deal. Well, it could be. And, and, all, and also,
1: you know, I would imagine they went through the procedures to try to get the original company to come and try to, you know, fix the situation. But what if they didn't and they just moved forward? And, and, you know, you bring this up because of what we kind of described earlier is about everything that can go wrong on a job. It can happen. And there's things that are just out of
0: your control. So what are some things you've seen when you show up on a job that, that you see on the floor that we've kind of just maybe ignored from time, time sometimes and sometimes we pointed out? But what have you seen? that? Well, for one brand new building, we were in the pre-con meeting. And pre-con I meeting is a
1: pre-construction meeting where all the major trades meet and discuss how we're going to handle the situation of the project. So we were in there. You and I were in there. We were we were talking to the concrete contractor. We were telling him what needed to be – how the floor needed to be done. And he essentially, as we are talking, basically, listen, boys, I've been doing this for 40 years.
0: <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And kind of shut us down. Yeah, he did. And full disclosure – uh, this is not anybody that I don't know how I want to. Oh, say. it's not anybody in town. Yeah, it's, it's not, not, it's not in a Detroit. local guy.
1: That came from several
0: states away. Yeah,
1: and we were like, you know, we kind of trusted him at that point.
0: Like, you know, he kind of beat us down. Well, he was bold. It was a, it was a meeting. It was one of those meetings. Yeah. Everybody's wearing a suit, and right. here, and here we are sitting there, and and this other guy down at the end of the thing, at the table, he wasn't wearing a suit, but you know, somebody who stands up and is that bold in front of that many people, yeah, you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt, yeah.
1: Hey, you've been doing it this long? Fine. Yeah. Needless to say, we got on site, and several months later, it's time for us to start polishing. We start to see issues right away, and this is the thing, and this is what this guy thought. He thought they're polishing these floors; they're just going to grind it off anyway. Yeah. Well, people have this conception of of polishing is that we take a half inch off the concrete. You know, that's not the case. No, no, not at all. We polished what's there, and what, what we started to discover immediately were size 7 footprint or 9, <laughs> nine footprint throughout the entire slab, yep. which added a tremendous workload to us. And that came back on us in a way of, you know, what are you guys doing?
0: Yeah. I thought it was interesting that where they, they obviously covered the floor after they poured it, and then when they threw plastic down, they threw 20-foot-long pieces of rebar on top of the plastic. And you could see the shapes of the rebar throughout right. the whole floor where it hit the at the floor through the plastic. Right. That's a big change from I know what I'm doing to that. I mean, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. And the customer, luckily the customer understood the situation and we got through the project. But
1: what needs to happen, and we did, we documented, we, we spoke with everyone, but we you have to, when that stuff happens, just stop and say, this is what's going on. We can't continue. We
0: need the work. We want the job. Yeah. But what do you want to do at this point? And I think that we should have probably, we need to start, trying to catch this stuff earlier because i think we we're already grinding at that point we really need to walk the whole job earlier and see that ahead of time because sometimes you're pot committed you know you've worked on it for a week or so and then all of a sudden you're saying hey look this is not looking like it's going to work out mm-hmm. i think that if you do it that way it's probably on us it's probably ours once we take it on fortunately that those people you know they totally understood what was happening mm-hmm. but I mean, what do you think? Do you think that... Well, the problem is, is it's just like you said, on a large product, when,
1: I think this one was 30,000 feet, you've got multiple crews on site, multiple machines, all of a sudden, you're several thousand feet in quickly, and
0: sometimes this stuff doesn't get discovered until you start taking cream off. Well, it's all covered anyways. Yeah. Like, you don't even see it until you're, until you're going. I'm not sure how we would catch it ahead of time unless we showed up the day after they poured it. Right. But the thing to do is, if, when it happens, if, stop. And if we have to
1: take a loss, we have to take a loss. But it's better than this situation where we get <laughs> pounded in the newspapers over something that was just like I, and I, I, I realized fully what this
0: this uh, polisher was doing. He he just he was just doing his job. That's right. You know? He just I, I I think it's what he did too. He probably told the um, foreman on the job side, hey, there are these issues, and there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Because right. you can't get a. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't get out footprints unless you grind down a half inch.
1: Yeah, full flag, yeah. which
0: then all of a sudden, that's a whole new ball game. I'm not sure how you get out that grease that people use when they're welding
1: or when they're cutting pipe. And so that's something for you guys to know that if you're ever building a house and you want it, you're getting it polished or you're on a project, make sure the lifts have diapers on them. Make sure everything is covered and controlled. Make sure when the, when the slab is poured that you don't set something on that slab where there's a stack of 2 by 4s and that slab is curing. And all of a sudden, two months later, you pull those 2 by 4s off and there's a ghost in the concrete of that pile of wood it happens we've
0: seen it all over moving on you know we actually we've been in the situation before where we were the contractor to get called in after somebody else and um we went through a series of meetings and it was that it would, it would have been the biggest job we'd ever taken have we have we taken it and the uh the original polishing guy had only done one room so he wasn't really he wasn't really in in too deep yet you know at that point Well, a little backlog on that one we had bid the job out and we knew that it
1: was a government job but when you're talking a hundred thousand plus square foot you know we put a good number on it it was a low number well we got beat out by a guy in new jersey i believe somewhere up north yeah doesn't matter but i thought at that point we got we got beat that much it was a major national company It didn't end up being a major national company it was a small guy from several states away i don't know how he got connected to this anyway he did two classrooms and he finished the classrooms but he didn't edge them <laughs> and he goes to them and says they said oh well you know we like what you're doing here but uh you didn't edge the rooms and he's are like oh it's not in the contract
0: <laughs> it's not included not included <laughs> so that's how we got beat there so what happened in that first room what were they seeing though some of the issues they didn't like once he did it aside from the edges that so was more than just that
1: yeah, more than, they more than just that. It they could have worked that out. They could have worked that out. The thing was is that, again, the builder struggled through the process of controlling the environments of other subs. This sub, the masons, when they were putting block on the floor, they're carrying block. The interior walls were cinder block, the whole place. Interior walls. So when they're carrying block, they're, they're just kind of throwing the block on the floor. Uh, some stuff falls, chips out the concrete. There was no protection at all. So basically, there was indentions throughout the entire slab in every room.
0: It was forklifts carrying the stuff back and forth across the what was what was essentially the finished floor. Right. Chips. Chips taken out. Yeah. So uh, once we you know once we got called in, I mean, I guess that guy, the original contractor, just said that I'm not I'm not fixing all these patches. Is that what it was? That's what he said. He, he, he said what? No,
1: no. He said I don't know how to handle the situation. Oh,
0: okay, that's right.
1: So we started researching we were called back in again because of a big project we were doing in town. We were called in and they told us the situation and um, can you remedy this? We got with a company that handled the situation for us and we filled in all
0: the holes and edged it up and they loved it. They liked the finished product. So at that point, we we had a discussion with them and put a number on the whole project, but we ended up not doing the job. They actually gave us the job.
1: Well, the number was much bigger than our original price. Yeah. But at this situation, they knew they had a problem they gave us the job
0: so it was a unique situation because the whole job was already behind we had heard we had heard there were gonna be issues with them finishing the job in, in time for the school to open and um anyways we just got a little worried we started getting worried they we they gave us a, their contract had this really early completion date on it and i think that you and i felt like we were being put in a situation to where they wanted to hire somebody else they were they're were setting us up to fail so they could hire somebody else
1: or they were setting us, us up to fail to hang something on us as far as completion date. Right. Which is really scary because many of you guys know when, when a project isn't finished on time, there are daily penalties. This one was $1,000 a day on us is what they were trying to put on us. What had happened was, just like you said, they put this date on us. So it was 100,000 plus square foot, feet. And they put this date on us to finish. Well, is at that point where we're like, what is going on here? Well, what happened, we didn't know about a, a very, very large national company had come in, into the project. They, they were doing some different systems on site. They come in and they had said, evidently, they had said, we can do the project as well. They didn't want to give it to them. They wanted to give it to us. Right. Which is something said, something to be said about that. Those big, huge national companies can be beat. Oh, yeah, definitely. They can be beat. And, and not all the time on price, because... It was about a relationship that we had earned with those people that they are willing to give that to us, which I think I think's a cool thing. It yeah. is, and
0: I think the GC also knows, to our advantage, when we're local and they're from out of town, every, every GC knows that there's going to be callbacks, and how are you going to get back a company to come and fix one spot that's two states away? Right. right. So, I mean, we kind of had an advantage there. So what did we end up doing? We turned it down. <laughs> turned it down. Turned down the 100,000 square foot polishing job. Uh, yeah I think it, yeah we just couldn't we couldn't make that date it was
1: we should, I don't know not in what we needed to do, we couldn't make that date, but I think what's interesting is is that the reason why we brought up the previous article is because that other company finished the job, and for that timeline, I think they did a great job, yeah, it looks nice, I think they did a good job, but again, the government leadership did not feel like they did. I couldn't say anything wrong against them, nope. you know, you know they asked us to come on site and and, and tell us how, how, how we could improve the project.
0: This was months later after it was done. Months later? Yeah.
1: And I said, look, they did a good job for what they had to do. Um, we could maybe burnish out some more things for you, come at night and burnish out the slab for you and things like that. And then the contractor looks at me and says, that's fine because we're holding his retainage anyway, so we we'll just pay you off that retainage. <laughs> Which to me, I mean, that goes, like, to me, that's a dumpster fire.
0: It is, definitely. It made me feel better about us walking away from it, because that would have been us in that situation. Right. Because he did not care. That did not bother him.
1: Didn't bother him. But I'll tell you, that retainage off a job, that side is huge.
0: Yeah. Huge. Retainage is a percentage. Most contractors hold 5 or 10% off the top of your contract, and they don't pay you until a year later, for those who don't know what that is. Right. So on a job like that, um, I don't know what the number would be, but it would be a large number after the job is done that you would, you know, in theory, you would get paid that months months later. And uh, a lot of time that's a lot of times that's the profit for the job. Right.
1: So I guess where all this is said, it's just kind of it's a big learning experience for us. I'm thankful. I wish we could have gotten the job, would have been in the right timeline, but I'm thankful we didn't because there's just so many situations like this article in the paper.
0: I hope people hear this too and know, and, and maybe think before when they go out on um, after somebody else. Maybe think about it before you go in there and say, Oh no, I can do this better. You know, even if even if we could do it better exactly what they did was you know I think the term is acceptable to trade standards and what they did definitely was yes. but it would have been very easy for us to go in there and say oh no this is terrible yeah right you know, cause that's what we need to look out for each other in those situations they had that retainage money to play with and they would have given all of that away to us and they wouldn't have cared right. if we would have said that you know put a number on it a big number on it we could have done that and um, we don't do that to other people and i I hope that people hearing this will think twice before they do it to someone too because we don't know the situation. We just don't know. It's a hard business to be in. And I feel bad for that that newspaper
1: article. The GC, they're just doing everything they've normally done on site. Maybe that was their first huge polish job. They didn't realize what all comes in. And that's that's the problem with our industry as well, is that not enough communication has happened with those
0: types of floors. I tend to overdo the communicating thing with the um, things that could go wrong. Yeah, sometimes I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to you over here and I'm like, what are you going to tell? I mean, what
1: else? How many bad things are you going to tell this yeah. customer
0: before you go do the job? Sometimes I feel like I'm saying to the customer, please don't hire me. Please. Don't hire me.
1: Whatever you do, don't do this. Cause this is everything that can go wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, just to finish it up, I feel like we, it is our responsibility as contractors to over communicate. We need to let everyone know what's going on. What are the pitfalls? What are the upsides? Because, Concrete's art.